Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom King. Hello. And Chris Evans. Hello. Hello. Um, And we've just watched the 1,000th Grand Prix in recorded history. (laughs) The Um, 1,000th-ish. Or so they say. And um, I've been on Twitter, and I can tell you, it it was the best race I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) Apparently so, yeah. Best race ever. Best race ever. Hashtag best race ever. <laughs> um, of course, it wasn't. It was too boring. <laughs> I was about to say, I detect sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, also, before we like dig into the actual race, the other thing I thought this weekend was there's been they've been building up to this thousands race for like mm. over a year now. I think they were doing this <laughs> countdown, and it was a bit of a non-event really. Like they had a couple of like museum cases in the cool down room with some old stuff in it oh don't start me on them and they had the thousand logo all over the place but there was not really much i was expecting like classic cars to be going around and stuff and old world champions and things there was the gold leaf lotus going around the track being driven by uh, damon hill I don't know. I was expecting more than one classic car. (laughs) Yeah, would you guys have seen that on the TV? Was that on TV? Yes, I saw it somewhere anyway. Um, I want to know. I would, but forget all that. (laughs) I want to get Tom started. Did did you not? Did you not see my Twitter rant? I didn't know. (laughs) Friday. What was your Twitter? I got up. I got up at three a.m. or whatever it was on Friday night. Friday morning. I don't know. Yeah, Friday morning, three a.m to watch FP1, to then watch Ted Kravitz, David Croft, Karun Chanduk, and whoever else um, debate why helmets should and shouldn't be painted differently per race. And then <laughs> right. at that point, the cars went out on track again. So they, they were just filling time, which is fair enough. There were no cars on track. But the second the cars went out on track, they cut to a VT explaining these museum pieces Chris just mentioned. <laughs> there was like a few minutes long. I'm like, there's finally cars on track and you cut away from them for this. Why not do this while there are no cars on track? Seriously. And I was like, I was just fuming because I was like up at half past three in the morning thinking, why did I wake up for this? Why yeah. did I get up for this? <laughs> That's that. I mean, wow. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't sound worth getting up at three in the morning. No, me. not at all. No, it not, wasn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, to be fair to them though I, I guess if the thousandth race had been in Europe there might have been a bit more stuff but China's a long way to fly a fleet of classic F1 cars and then fly them back again so that is true yeah probably not the best location in the world for it what they should have done was just changed their maths to make it land on a different one well there is that race. <laughs> because the, the maths the math they've used to get to 1000 is clunky at best anyway isn't it so isn't it officially <laughs> the thousandth world championship race regardless of being a grand prix or a formula one race it's just the 1000th championship the thousandth race. race that has counted towards a driver's championship okay so it's so, so there's been 1000 <laughs> that have had that have been called the formula one world championship world drivers no championship. because they're not even all formula ones are they 
What? I don't think. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it, that people had with it? Because there was a period of time where the World Championship was run to F2 regulations. and Yeah. There's there's like 17 different ways you can work out a 1,000, but... <laughs> oh, gosh. That sounds boring. Shall we talk Almost about as boring as the race. <laughs> <laughs> as if that wasn't boring enough, the race was very boring. So let's get into it. Um, <laughs> really selling it. Let's start somewhere interesting. Um, free packs is free, where Alexander Alban had a monster shunt. Huge one. 49G it registered <sighs> when he hit the, hit the wall. Bloody um, hell. And he obviously was a bit, little bit shaken up, but he As got up um, yeah, and walked away. Um, so again, once again, testament to how safe a Formula One yeah. car is. Yeah, I mean, props to props to Alexander for. I mean, he didn't get he didn't get to qualifying, but props to him for starting the race from the pit lane. Um, he had a great drive to tempt for a points finish at the end of the race. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed. Um... After he was told he'd run driver of the day, he said that's quite nice because I was definitely the worst driver of the day on Friday. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's a very good point. A fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. The way he went off, it was kind of like a... Did you see how he went off? It was like a big tank yeah. slapper. So like he was like fishtailing from sort of side to side. Is that the thing? And it just looked like he knew it was coming for a... It was one of those where you know it's coming for a long time and you're trying to avoid it and there's eventually nothing you can do. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, at the time I referred to it as doing a Giovinazzi. Yeah. I was going to say, it was not unlike Giovinazzi's two crashes from a couple of years ago, except he yeah. ended up spearing off to the right instead of the left. Yeah, it was a loss of rear grip in the final corner. So that that's where the yes. similarity lies. Yeah, the only difference was he hit a different wall. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, savage. Really, really savage. But but amazing that he got, got into the race the next day, started... Start where he did and finish where he did. So yeah, definitely. Drive of the day potential. Um, speaking of the race, um, let's start at the beginning of it. Hamilton snatched the lead off the line and he led all but two laps of the race, um, relatively unchallenged after Bottas's average start from pole position. Um, did you hear Bottas's excuse for his, well, or his reasoning for the bad start? I know that he, he sounded yeah. like he got a little bogged down wheel spin wise. I've not heard his excuse for he it or his reason. He <laughs> reckons the big painted start line just ahead of the front grid slot was kind of there just as he was getting into the second phase of the start, which made him have more wheel spin than Hamilton, who had kind of obviously had a little bit more distance to get the wheels gripping before you get to that painted white line. So he reckons that was the reason he had a bad start. Ah, what an excellent racing driver excuse. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> Proper excuse. Um, <laughs> my favourite thing about that excuse was the way that Ted Kravitz tried to disprove it. Oh, really? <laughs> that was by walking up to the line and scrubbing his shoe across it to see if it Technical. was more or less grippy. <laughs> grippy, yeah. Because his leg generates the same amount of power as a Formula <laughs> 1 engine. <laughs> Ted Kravitz has superior legs. This is why he has to yeah, wear shorts yeah. and sandals constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They just burst out. They're too, they're too powerful for trousers. <laughs> if, you'd, if you'd given Ted Kravitz shoes to Chris Hoy, I wonder how long it would take for the uh, to grip to wear down. <laughs> That's a man with leg power much closer to a Formula One car, I would imagine. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. Speaking of Chris Hoy, he's um, back in doing some more motorsport stuff soon. Is he? Because he did Le Mans 24 um, a couple of seasons ago, I think. Yeah, there's a, a documentary about that on the on a, on a popular internet 
TV service. There is. Um, yeah, and he's doing something else soon. I can't remember exactly what. Um, oh, he's he's you know he's going to be driving a Formula E car in like a demo thing. Oh, that's it. He's doing a round of World Rallycross. Oh, wicked. Ah. The Spanish World Rallycross. Chris Hoy is going to be uh, entering that. So if you're a cycling fan as well, <laughs> that'll is tickle it your boxes. Catalonia that round? It certainly was in the past. I don't know if it is again this season. Nice. I would have thought so. I can't imagine. They're the, I don't imagine there's anywhere else in Spain with the setup for a rallycross. It's kind of unique, isn't it? Given the yeah. built it there, yeah, might as well. Yeah, yeah. Might as well just keep doing that anyway. Yeah. So, but that was Bottas' start. Hamilton's start, though. My goodness. <laughs> that was mighty. Yeah. Considering yeah. we spent the last two weeks criticizing his starts. <laughs> yeah. He's been, sounds like he's been working really hard on them. And yeah. I think, you know, I think half of this, like, I don't necessarily think Bottas got a bad start. I think just Hamilton was no. such a good start that it made Bottas's look pedestrian. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so Hamilton led into turn one um, and there was not really much craziness going on through turn one, was there? There was uh, a bit of rough and tumble a bit later on, but all neat and tidy through turn one. And yeah, it's really, quite sensible. It's really, yeah difficult kind of i find like i don't know when I, when i've played the game i've found that the turn one at china is like one of the hardest corners in formula oh, it's one. horrible like the way you it feels like of, it lasts forever doesn't it that corner? Yeah, it, yeah it lasts forever and you sort of you, it's really because obviously like when you drive a car it's not driving a racetrack you try to be either on throttle or off throttle and on brake or off brake at any one time like you know you're not really you don't normally really want to be feathering it yeah, depending on your driving style, but um, through that corner, you've got no option but to sort of feather the throttle through it and cadence brake through it, and kind of hope you get the right braking point, and hope you don't. There's a real balance to that corner that no other corner yeah. really in Formula One has, and I find that it's it's very challenging, and it just surprises me that you don't get more carnage through there because it is so difficult. Yeah, they kind of almost just end up two by two through there, and they're just concentrating on not hitting anyone else until they get onto the straight heading towards four basically yeah and also not a great turn one because you don't really break for it either on the first lap yeah it's kind of like a steady breaking into it isn't it it's not like yeah. you want to carry as much like obviously any corner you want to carry a lot of spe- as much speed as you can for it but i don't know it's just really challenging it's a really really challenging corner um, yeah. wasn't any trouble through that corner though until we got to turn six when caveat managed to shunt both mclaren's <laughs> um, I, do you feel like Kvyat was fully to blame for that? There wasn't a lot of grip on the track, was there at the time? We saw two cars spin on the parade lap, showing you how little grip there was yeah. on, the car, on the track. Because Kvyat got a penalty for that, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. did. He wasn't happy about it either. <laughs> no, well, he, his words were, "I'm I intend to go see the stewards mm-hmm. and question their decision making process." <laughs> so I don't, I don't think he deserved quite as harsh a penalty if i'm honest like considering that their their approach with penalties especially on first laps in sort of recent races seems to have been like a little bit of contact's gonna happen on a first lap unless it's like outrageous like grosjean in um barcelona like kind of let these things go and although the result it was quite dramatic it didn't like go steaming in up the inside he just kind of had a little it looks like it had a bit of oversteer yeah which nudged him wide into signs and then that contact then pinged him into Norris. So although like the result was bad, I don't think the actual incident was particularly awful driving or anything. I think he was just very unlucky with 
bouncing off one then directly into the other one. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't I don't think he deserved a penalty at all for it. I think it was a racing incident. I think it's just yeah, one I agree. of those things. I don't think he caused a collision. He just didn't wasn't he just lost control. Yeah, there was a collision, but doesn't this come back to maybe the, the Grosjean thing of old though, where once you've kind of got a reputation for doing these kind of things, you, you end up being treated a little harsher. Oh, totally. Like thing, things that you may get away with if you were, if you did it once every three seasons or something, like people kind of brush it under. And it it comes into question, I guess, as to how um, consistent the, the decision-making process should be. But I think that sometimes mm, yeah, maybe, drivers then... like that, if they've got a bit of a rep, do get, the harsher treatment of that'd be a penalty. Whereas if somebody else had done it, it might not have been. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it is that maybe a factor involved. Uh, could be. It, I think it the, be... the public perception definitely does. But uh, from a stewarding point of view, you'd like to think it doesn't. But yeah, it shouldn't. I'd agree no, it shouldn't. No, it definitely shouldn't. But. Um... Who, uh, I mean, it's hard to say. That's hard to say. Like, I, I'm not sure. I could, yeah, I could really answer that sensibly. Um, what I will say is that it did wreck Norris's race. Um, it and did. And another, <laughs> he he t- he took Science's wing clean off as well. Did you? See, you I don't think you would have seen <laughs> yeah. this, but like, uh, there's an all the angles video on um, the Formula One website. That shows you every angle, obviously. And uh, <laughs> I uh, I watched that one today. And yeah, you see Science's wing sort of come off, go underneath his wheels, and then sort of whip around and get clogged up in his side pod, in his right oh, hand really? side pod. Yeah, and he sort of reaches out to try and, without realizing quite the size of the piece he's got attached to his car, he sort of reaches out to see if he can grab it and get rid of it. <laughs> But um, even if and he couldn't reach it, but even if he could, like that's not going anywhere. No. <laughs> um, so that was that was a crazy thing to see. There was a lot of debris caused a virtual safety car, a very brief virtual safety car, and um, then they were all underway again. I guess the only saving grace for McLaren is the fact that they weren't particularly quick this whole weekend. Like when signs got taken out in bahrain it was a real shame because they were looking on to a real good result but mclaren just didn't look quick this weekend so yeah yeah they were sadly for them i don't think they lost all that much yeah so norris Norris eventually retired as did kvyat um in the end so it was kind of i'm I'm not sure what the problems were i'm sure they were related to the impacts both cars take because norris had a pretty badly damaged floor from that um and science's floor was pretty uh messed up as well yeah you run over a front wing it's gonna knack your floor can do a bit of damage. Did you yeah. notice at one point Lando had to put those tires back on as well from that incident? Oh, really? Did he? Yeah, there was a point where Lando came in and pitted, and everyone was wondering why he was going out with a tire that didn't have a marking on the side, and everyone was questioning has he actually changed tires here or not? And it was because he put the tires from the incident back on in his second stop for his next stint. Oh, interesting. Whether that was because he didn't have anything else appropriate or not, I'm not sure. I can't. I don't know the reasoning, but yeah. everyone was questioning it at the time because of the, they noticed the missing markings, and it was because of the contact. Well, I guess. I mean, at that point, that set of tires will have done a lapping. Actually, no, they didn't even make Q three. So that that set of tires had probably done that thing. Their uh, first lap, he'd come yeah. in. Repaired the damage, changed tires. So that was probably actually the freshest set of those tires he got at that point. Yeah, exactly. P- possibly like one of those scenarios where 
they'd taken them off originally as a precaution because they were pitting anyway. And then yeah. when they've realized this, you know, they're suitable to go back on, they used them for the for the next stint. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm, that is interesting. There is a Pirelli graphic that goes out and tells you what tires everyone's got um, at the start of each race, but yeah. I can't have it. I, I can't find it. I don't have it to hand, <laughs> so um, I can't tell you. Buried but on I Twitter do, somewhere. I, I did see it. I did see it, and all the drivers were obviously quite... They were they cut it, so they, are very, they only have left what they need most of yeah. the time. They do cut it super fine, so I can totally believe that he didn't have a, a fresh set and that yeah. he had to put his freshest set on. Hopefully, they weren't covering in flat spots. In fact, they were. <laughs> I don't think they would have been because he was. He did. Um, it was kind of a. Although he did bounce up in the air and uh, and sort of get moved around a bit, there, there wasn't any skidding or anything like that. So it probably the tire itself was probably in decent condition. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, we digress. <laughs> Let's not talk about tires. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so a little bit later on, um, it got to about what lap would have been about like seven or eight. Um, you've got Leclerc ahead of Vettel because Leclerc made a place up at the start of the race as well. And he was kind of like dropping back a little bit, dropping by a few tenths back every lap by about lap eight from Bottas and, um, around lap eight, uh, Vettel got on the radio saying i'm i'm faster um let me if I, if I, not saying i'm faster let me through but he did say i am faster which obviously means let me pass yep and um so ferrari after a couple of laps obliged and let him through and he was not faster <laughs> i think categorically we can all say that leclerc was quicker at that point in the race than vettel if if I, they started dropping back away from um, from Bottas properly at that point. Yeah. And the difference is Bottas actually put his foot down and was pushing quite hard at the time that uh, Leclerc was behind him. And then he actually slowed down a little bit when Vettel was behind him. He was putting slower laps in, but they were still dropping back further. So it actually works out that they were about half a tenth slower when Vettel was leading the pair than they were when uh, Leclerc was re- leading the pair. <laughs> Yeah. Trashed the race though, didn't it? Really, for Leclerc, there was yeah, like, completely. Yeah, it just left no strategy options, and he wasn't. He was making a point of it over the radio, saying, "Now I'm being held up. Like, I want my place back because I'm being held up." But yeah. obviously, it never came to anything. Once that had happened, there was no way they could have given. Look, once you make that change, you if you give the other place back, you're just costing both cars even more time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they were already falling back into the clutches of Verstappen. So if they had made that call, that would have made them even more vulnerable to Verstappen than they were. Um, and that's what kind of forced Ferrari's hand at that point. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like I kind of have sympathy for... It's, it's a difficult call for Ferrari to make at that point when you've got a four-time world champion um, telling you that they're faster. You're probably going to take their word for it. Um, well, yeah, this is the problem, isn't yeah. it? They've kind of bat themselves in a corner immediately because, I mean, last race, Leclerc basically sent the same radio message and he was asked to hold position and ignored it and overtook, fell for the lead. And now when you've had the same situation in reverse, I mean, they can't say no to him, can they? Like, 
if Ferrari said no to Vettel in that moment, like that's going to cause so much friction in the team. Yeah. And you know Vettel hated losing the lead to his teammate in the last race. And as soon as he had the opportunity to send a message saying, I'm faster, he was always going to take that opportunity. Yeah, even if he's half a second, uh, half a tenth faster, he's probably going to say, I'm Yeah, I'm of course. Faster. Well, it didn't help that as soon as he was ahead of him, he started locking wheels into the hairpin every lap and making yeah. little mistakes here and there, which yeah. was just slowing both of them up at that he point. He was overdriving it. It was massively... He knew he wasn't faster. He knew at that yeah, point completely. his tyres were gone because he'd been following for too long, so his tyres are gone, and he just starts overdriving, locking wheels here, there, and everywhere, and they're both just falling back. Yeah. And, and Leclerc was all over him for that whole time like he could have I reckon Leclerc could have got past him if he'd been trying to yeah probably could yeah and the whole time he let Verstappen start catching the two of them up which kind of ended up spooking them into different pit strategies and stuff as well they just they just sort of created their own downfall again didn't they yeah Yeah, but this is like Ferrari of old that we thought we'd maybe seen the back of coming back into play isn't it like Ferrari making odd strategic calls that compromise not just one driver but both of them and end up causing issues and costing them positions and points we thought that maybe in the last last couple of seasons they'd started to get a grip on that and get a little bit better at it but this is just sort of almost highlighting it coming back I think it's classic it's classic classic Ferrari they their strategy call it's like they've been to the the council of shaman to to review their strategy. <laughs> it, it, yeah, they know it's... they know nothing of the crunch. <laughs> Ferrari's worst enemy is and always will be Ferrari. Yeah, like doesn't matter how good the Mercedes is or how good the Williams was back in the day or how good the McLaren's been. Ferrari's worst enemy has always been Ferrari and probably always will be. Like they, they've got to get out of their own heads and not mm. make these stupid calls. Yeah. They they turned a pretty much guaranteed third and fourth into a third and fifth purely yeah. with their own decision making. Yeah, which is it's, it's no wonder they've not won a constructor championship for years when yeah. they're doing stuff like that. Yeah, it's just like they're bottling it, isn't it? Like they've they've come last year. They they had the fastest car for the majority of the season and just didn't do anything with it they kept making mistakes or the, it was just a, pe- a season strewn with errors mm. from both driver and team and um it looks as though the same thing you know that they haven't managed to stop the rot the same thing is still happening um from my side yeah. that's that's yeah, how totally. i feel about him I, I, yeah i think so as well and it was the same story we've had with raikkonen for the last couple of seasons like yeah. raikkonen gets his gets just a terrible strategy to help Vettel. Vettel ends up doing nothing with that advantage, and Raikkonen's race gets ruined in the process. And it's exactly yep. the same for Leclerc this time. Mm. Yeah, really weird. Yeah, you wonder it's- what causes it. You wonder if it's like pressure from the top, or you know, whether it's just just it's simply just bad strategy, or maybe you know they're they're overrated. Maybe they're as a team. They're not as good as what their car is. <laughs> I think they're, they're proving mm. that they're not as good as what their car is as a team. It sounds yeah. awful to say, but given what we're all saying leading into this season after testing, like you would never have dreamed of saying we've had three Mercedes one twos in the first three races. No, no. Like nobody, Mercedes included, would have predicted that at all. Mm. And 
yet here we are. This this one thing that has struck me actually this season is the swing in performance between the three races has been absolutely book wild. Yeah. yeah, it's very hard to I've, judge at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, I've never known a season where the advantage has shifted by such a huge margin across across the early free races. Like it always feels that there's usually by this point there's like a you're beginning to see like an established order, and well, I suppose the the order is that Ferrari have a car that they don't seem to understand, as do Mercedes, and it's just chance as to who mm. gets it right on the weekend. <laughs> Which is great. Like, I've got a lot of time for that. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it's like one of our kind of storylines last week for this race was this should be the first quote-unquote normal race and we'll get a better idea of the running order. We don't. Like, I still have no, no. idea what the running order is. We've had three races with kind of three different running orders at this point, which, like you say, is great for us watching, but mm. it's bizarre three races into still with that this clueless about which cars are fastest. I think we can solidly say the Red Bull's third. <laughs> That's about the only thing Red you Bull's can definitely do. Third. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right that now. is true. And, and Williams is slowest. That they're the only two that you can like pretty solidly say that's where those <laughs> yeah. two cars are. One of the Red Bulls is more third than the other. I dare say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but um, yeah, what can you do? Um, yeah, so that's. For, I mean, anything else to say about Ferrari's strategy there? Have we covered that? Would you say? We kind of have. I think, I don't know, Leclerc didn't seem best pleased afterwards, as you would expect. And they were just they were just slow. They just never looked like yeah. even getting close to challenging Mercedes. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It is so weird. Where, where their pace has gone, I do not know. And yeah, I can understand Leclerc being obviously very upset. Uh, if you're Leclerc, like, what do you do now? Like, do you do you put your foot down and say i'm just because it's i mean it's clear to see that from everyone from where everyone's sitting outside the team that they've got it looks almost looks like they're putting their eggs into the wrong basket Mm. i think what he's doing is the best thing he can do and that is not cause huge amounts of friction by just not doing what the team asks him to do but Mm making it very clear to the team that there are certain decisions he's not happy with. And I think he's finding the right balance of not completely screwing his own chances by upsetting the team and not doing as he's asked, while still maintaining the fact that he knows that they're not the right decision and making that point known so that Mm. the team know where he stands, rather than just falling into the second driver role yeah, like he's he's got the right balance at the minute. As long as he keeps his head and doesn't let it doesn't let it affect his performance, and he keeps performing, it will come his way. They, they've they've got no choice. They'd, they'd be stupid not to. That's it. What you're saying is, what he needs to do is just do his talking on the track. He needs to get to qualifying yeah, exactly. every Saturday and absolutely rinse Vettel, and then and then stay ahead of him at the start of the race. Exactly. And yeah. Then if you know, if they all they can do then is put him on the wrong strategy and obviously pit him to try and get Vettel back up the order. But that'd be, that would be bonkers to do that. Yes. But having said that, I don't believe that they wouldn't do that. <laughs> like, yeah, I still think that they might, You even if he kept qualifying ahead of Vettel, I think for a period of time, they'd still compromise him to try and boost Vettel's chances. The thing is, Ferrari on a number of occasions already this season have already openly said we will favour strategy calls towards Sebastian 
until we have a reason not to do so, i.e. if Charles is constantly outperforming him and outscoring him and he becomes the better title hope, that's when they change. But it's like, <laughs> I don't know, it just seems... It's like, we're going to put everything against you, but if you manage to overcome that, we'll start <laughs> favouring you. That's that's yeah. almost what that feels yeah. like. Yeah. It yeah. can't the thing be a great it's... position to be in, but... Yeah. It's only his third race at Ferrari. He's only 21. He's got a long old career ahead of him. Yeah. He just needs to just go out there every weekend, beat Vettel as often as he can, and eventually either the team are going to have to back him because he's beating Vettel too often for them not to, or Vettel's going to retire and he'll be leading that team. Like mm. the, the early signs to me indicate the whole... Ricardo moving to Red Bull scenario for Sebastian, where this younger, talented teammate is coming through and he's very clearly not going to stay number one solidly for the foreseeable future if the young gun keeps performing the way that he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's almost repeating itself at Ferrari at the moment. So I'm still adamant that if Charles keeps keeps on the trajectory is on it will shift but it's just whether he has that patience and doesn't let it get in his head that's yep. the key thing really yeah definitely yep yep um the final thing i'll say about it is just how great is it watching this thing unfold this is like my favorite storyline oh it's fascinating yeah it's so <laughs> <Yeah>. brilliant <laughs> um yeah so moving on in the race um verstappen was catching them and um they pitted uh, they pitted Leclerc second, I believe. Yeah, and, they did. Um, Verstappen caught him and took fourth using the undercut, and very nearly took Vettel as well um, for third. He, apparently, yes. there's a ninety three percent chance of Vettel, uh, Verstappen making that overtake stick on Vettel, and I mean, it, it probably was about ninety three percent done, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably was. Um, I will say, I know we've just sort of been throwing a bunch of criticism at Vettel, but the way he defended that was so good. Like, yeah. he saw it come in, he let him have the inside line, knowing there's a very good chance he'd lock up a bit and sort of end up a bit wide, give him Vettel a better exit, and he absolutely nailed the exit, just gave him enough of a push, so it was, there was literally a car's width and not a millimetre more, so he ended up on the grass a bit, and out drags him in the next corner. That was like, Pinpoint Ten. perfect, um, yeah, textbook yeah. defending. Yeah, yeah. It probably was the most exciting point of the race as well, bar the crash at the very beginning. Yeah, um, and it was nice to see Verstappen try to overtake Vettel and them not touch each other, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and Vettel keep his car pointing in the right direction when someone tries yeah. to overtake him. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, well, last time, you know, last time someone, last time Verstappen tried to make that move on Vettel a year ago, what happened? Well, you remember what Vettel, happened. Vettel ends up pointing backwards, but it wasn't his fault that time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, it was the it was Red Bull careering into him that did yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was the first of many spins over a season for, yes. for Vettel. Uh, but we've already, Vettel's already done his first spin, hasn't he, this season? So yeah. He has, yeah. Um, he's, gone, he's, 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 <laughs> he's broken the egg a, uh, a race sooner. Um <laughs> Yeah, so he almost—I mean, Verstappen almost got the got the job done. Um, Vettel, like we say, just absolutely nailed the defense. And other than later on, the Mercedes did an amazing double stack pit stop. Did, shall we talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. 
Yeah, Mercedes double stack pit stop. That was something timed to absolute perfection. Um, I, the only, I've only ever seen Red Bull do it as well as that. Yeah, um, it, was it was so it, good. It was like a dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's easy to forget. Like, yes, I've got a service two cars in a row and I've got you know get the way and stuff you also got to remember there's going to be eight tires knocking around there and I've got to make sure they're taking the right ones off and putting the right ones on all in the space of about 10 seconds for two cars like the awareness to be doing all that at that speed like I saw someone today kind of analyzed it a bit and they're reckoning all of it Bottas lost about half a second on what you'd expect if he was pitting alone which is wild that's yeah. exactly right. We worked that out today. Um, it was it was half a second that he lost, and that's just like a, a, a it was a three point four sec. No, it was a three point five second stop compared to a three second stop for Hamilton. Absolutely crazy. Yes, and it, it turned out he was in the Bottas was in the pit lane for twenty four seconds, and Hamilton for twenty three point five seconds, give or take Damn. a few temps. So a few few thousandths, sorry, so hundredths. So um, yeah, amazing work. And some of the some of the ca- the camera angle we got of the guy wearing the helmet cam. Yeah, yeah, it's it really the, cool. I that. The, yeah, I think it was the guy who holds the car still. Um, yes, it was the helmet cam, and you just saw the whole thing happen in sort of a couple, in, 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 in over ten seconds from a <laughs> first person perspective. It was an amazing thing to see. You don't often yeah, get that. So it's good, really, really cool. Yeah. I hope they do more with those sort of cams. They're really cool. They do try to bring a special camera to the pit lane every time, but they don't always yeah. use it. There's not always reason to use it. You need something really sort of spectacular to yeah to uh, Some, to make make use of it. Sometimes drivers destroy them as well. <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, Alex Albon uh, <laughs> did a number on a special camera in the pit lane on Friday. <laughs> did he? Yeah, you know yeah. the ones that kind of hang down. I think that must hang off like the air gun rigging and they're kind of like along where the outside edge of the car would be. So it's kind of looking at the car coming towards the pit box. Um, Alban, I think, started pulling into the wrong pit box and pulled out again. And as he went through, he's like the roll hoop T thing just clobbered this camera hanging down and smashed it to pieces. Yeah, There's <laughs> this footage knocking around somewhere from the camera. If I can find it, I'll, uh, I'll stick oh, it on Oh, amazing. Twitter. Amazing. That's cool. Um, Formula One have probably taken it down now. If you saw it on um, Reddit, or possibly like yeah, it's been quite yeah. hot on the old uh, <laughs> copyright banning. Yeah. This, Just this speaking race. of that, have have you seen the interview with Lando where he says um, that he didn't see his own overtake from Bahrain until some random person put it on Reddit, but he wasn't <laughs> allowed to do anything with it because obviously <laughs> FOM and everybody say you can't use footage in your own personal tweets unless it's something yeah. we've put out there, which is which is fair enough. And he was like, I saw this thing and I couldn't do anything with it because it wasn't <laughs> official. So I had to wait and try and get the official copy to be able to do anything, which I thought was like brilliant. Him just acknowledging the fact that, yes, I use Reddit and I see what you're all saying. <laughs> Although that's not stopped him posting tweet of the season so far yes. today. Um, <laughs> I, I won't say anything else, but... It's a little clip from when he got launched by Kvyat. Go look at Lando Norris's Twitter account to find <laughs> yeah. that little video. It's incredible. It's brilliant. Just on the dual stat pit stop, we kind of got distracted. Like yeah. it's the other thing is like Mercedes didn't really need to do it. Yeah. It was kind of a, a it's extra precaution, I guess, to make sure Bias didn't get undercut. Um, yeah. Because obviously 
they're afraid of the undercut, but they aren't going to give Bottas the first pit stop because that gives him an advantage over Hamilton. But even so, it's such a ballsy move and it shows so much confidence in themselves to make that call when you're quite comfortably leading a race one and two. Yeah. It's, yeah, so much confidence in themselves to do that. It was well, flexing. The compl- the- I'm it was just flexing to show this is where <laughs> we're at right now and this is, like... They're adamant that the car's not as good as the Ferrari, but what they were doing with that is basically showing we might feel we can't beat you with the car week in, week out, but this is the kind of stuff you're going to have to put up with for us to maintain a lead. This is what we will go... Like These are resorts we will go to just to completely yeah. eradicate any chance you've got, whether you've got a better car or not. That That was the mentality that struck me when they were doing that, just to yeah. show Ferrari this is what you're up against in terms of like team management. Mm. I like that. I like that you think that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, and while I wish I could agree with it, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, f- I feel like they, it's more, they were, they were wary of what was going on behind Bottas and Bottas was, it, it just worked out that the, the tight, the gap between the two was just right for them to make it work yeah. safely. And also, they didn't have. There was enough of a gap. They they probably would have lost less time, even if there was a bigger pause between the two stops. Yeah. Than they would if they'd left him out for that extra lap. Because if if they'd left him out for an extra lap, they might have lost a second, and instead they only lost half a second. So strategically, that was probably. It's the more risky call, but it's probably the right call. Uh, but like you say, actually, if you've got the confidence, you need, you do need to yeah. have the confidence in your team yeah, to totally. do that. And you're right; it does show you that they are flying high at the moment. And also, let's not forget that this time last year they lost the win at this race because they got caught out by a safety car. Yeah. Um. So you can never discount these things happening. I'm sure that was fresh in their minds while they were leading. Yeah, well, uh, you know, a less confident team, it, they'd be even more wary for yeah f- uh, of making you know pit stop errors for that reason. Yeah. So, yeah, you 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 both absolutely right. I kind of like weirdly sort of trotted around your statement, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was awesome. It was one of the best things I've seen in Formula One this year. And yeah. I watched the Bahrain Grand Prix last those two weeks ago. So <laughs> that's saying something. Um, <laughs> Uh, what else happened? Um, Pierre Gasly pitted late for some soft tyres and nicked a point for fastest lap. Um, still a long way off Verstappen's pace, though, through the race. He finished about, it would have, I think it was about 80 seconds down on the leader and probably about, uh, about half a minute, between half a minute and a minute down the road from Verstappen himself. Um, uh, yeah, Gasly, it was about a, just about a minute behind Verstappen. So even with the extra pit stop he did, that's still a long way back. Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't be that far back from your team. No. It was a very um, good last lap to get that fastest lap point, though. You only had one lap to do it with the new tyres. Yeah, when you're on the softest compound in, in the race available to you and they're relatively fresh and the, tra- the track is completely rubbered in and your car weighs nothing because they've got no fuel hmm. in it, you're going to do the fastest. Whoever did that, was going to do the fastest lap. He had a, he was, you know, to be fair, he had a big enough gap behind him that the team felt that they could do. Yeah. That. Yeah. It showed how far ahead of people like Renault they actually are to be that far ahead that 
um, they could pull that off, I guess. Yeah. Um, was it a great lap? I don't think it was a great lap. I've watched the lap, and um, it actually is it, it, really loose at the end of the lap. Like, oh, really? Maybe maybe he just opened. Uh, maybe he just sort of overheated the tires from pushing so hard because it, it possibly did get yeah. It by, and actually, he didn't get it by all that much. He only got it, it was, by about a tenth. Yeah, it was just under a tenth. Oh, really? Yeah, about yeah, yeah, zero. I take it all back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, he got the point. Um, it was interesting to see them throw a pit stop in at the end like that. Like you don't normally yeah. see that. Looking so. at looking at the gaps as well for the top ten, he was the only one really who had the space to take a pit stop, yeah. not lose a position and do it. Otherwise, I think more people would have done it, but pretty much everyone else in the top 10 was kind of within a, a gap where they'd lose a position or maybe even two by pitting. So, yeah. the, the thing I will say about it is what I do like is that this new fastest, this new point for fastest lap rule has made the ends of races that bit more interesting yeah like at, definitely at a point at a point in the race when you feel like you know a lot of it's probably a, a bit of a, a bit of a foregone conclusion you know hamilton's way ahead um there's a big gap back from bottas to um to vettel and then a bit more of a gap back to verstappen you know it's like yeah that this is the race those last sort of five or six laps you're like all right okay this is the race they're not going to make up that kind of uh, that kind of a gap and then the fastest lap thing comes in. It's like, who who's going to try and get it? And they all tried to get it, you know? Um, yeah. L- Vettel posted the fastest lap towards the end. So did Leclerc. And uh, yeah, Gasly just picked them to it. So they care about that point is what I'm Oh, saying. definitely. It's going to be interesting the more the season goes on as well, especially if we get in a, you know, assuming we're going to have Bottas, Vettel, Leclerc, one or more of them trying to claw back points on Hamilton. Like, even if one of them is leading the race by like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever, it's a near guaranteed win. They're going to have in the back of their mind, if I stick my foot down a bit more, I can catch him by that one more point. Yeah. And at which point Hamilton would obviously then speed up to try and stop them getting that point and you end up with a kind of seesaw fight with people who aren't necessarily on the same bit of track. Like I, I bet we're going to see before the end of the season someone bin it in the last few laps of a race yeah. trying to get a fastest lap as well. That's Yeah, yeah guaranteed to happen at some point yeah who's your money on who's going to be who's going to do that chris <laughs> it sounds like a vettel trick to me that one it sounds a lot like a vettel trick doesn't it <laughs> i hate to be harsh but it definitely sounds like a vettel trick um anything to add tom you got anything on the fastest lap point you want to say no it was it was a valid strategy wasn't it to take a point away from ferrari and bring it into the red bull House, yeah, I definitely. guess. <laughs> he was the Absolutely. only one capable of doing it, like you say, so it made sense to give it a go at least. Just yeah. lucky it paid off. Yeah. Um, okay, so some honourable mentions. Um, Raikkonen drove from ninth, from 13th to 9th. Um, it was a good drive from him in the Alpha. Yeah, uh, a couple of nice uh, overtakes in there as well. Yeah, a few, few good overtakes. He did some dueling with the Haases for a while. Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, one of the more entertaining parts of the race that you didn't really see on TV. Um, Perez drove to eighth from twelfth. That was a, also another good drive, um, equally good drive, you might say, because it's the same number of positions made up. <laughs> um, 
Um, McLaren and Haas sort of switch places this race, as we've sort of alluded to. McLaren nowhere, and Haas are suddenly somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Any explanation for that? Has anyone heard anything, read anything that might be um, a reason why? Kvyat crashed into quicker? them both. <laughs> that could be one thing. Well, really, that's definitely a McLaren factor, was, I think. They were slow in quality, though, McLaren, weren't True. they? That's why they were so far back around yeah. Kvyat. Yeah, it's a bit of a reality check, I think. Yeah, both the Hassers got through to Q3. Mm. I think it's just a highlight of really how close everyone between uh, Red Bull and Williams really are. Like Anyone in in that gap is capable of being sort of 6th, 7th, 8th, whatever, you know, like following the lead cars home. Um, And I think it is just going to come down to minute differences in circuits that slightly favor favor one car's setup or the other or a yeah. driver's driving style things like that like that it just feels like the midfield is going to be really hard to predict until maybe the summer when teams stop upgrading and we hit that that point where everyone starts focusing on next year's cars and brings less and less upgrades and things sort of truly even out a little bit i think yeah. there's a lot of teams there that are going to go backwards and forwards and be real interesting to watch to be honest right yeah, now that well, you can realistically see pretty much every team except williams filling that best of the rest slot yeah. at some point yeah you absolutely can um and another thing what my response to your development um chat there was just you know th- these cars are going to be relevant for the next sort of few years true is that up to 2021 yeah. so it could be that this go- it might not end. It might never end. Yeah. It might be that they're they're swapping and changing all season long because everything they do to the car this year, I don't believe the regulations are changing significantly at all so far for next year. They might yeah. change their minds as the season goes on. But yeah, it's a bit of an anomaly, isn't it? When you've got a season like this, that's a new aero reg. That yeah, like you say, your development sometimes goes on a little bit longer through the current season just because not a huge amount changes going into the second year of that reg. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. We might see um, all this. So yeah, it's a very, very, ex- very exciting prospect. Um, for yeah. That to happen. Um, my next honorable mention um, goes to not, not so honorable, but goes to Renault. Um, they had an MGU software glitch that halted Hulkenberg um, while Ricardo finished best of the rest in seventh on an alternate strategy. It sounds like Ricardo had a boring, boring race, but um, Chris, you had something to say about Hulkenberg. Yeah, he was actually like trying to reboot systems in the car, like while still driving flat out on the straights, or as flat out as a car down on power to let him to go. Like it's not like he pulled over and broke and tried to reboot it. It was just like messing with settings on the steering wheel that were like apparently resetting bits of software while doing about 150 down the straight, yeah. which is mm-hmm. interesting. You know what they should put on the steering wheel of that car? And what's that? A big red reset button. <laughs> In case of emergency. Yeah. It's not good from Renault though, is it? Like, okay, Ricardo got best of the rest, but it's it's not been the start of the season they wanted. No, no that's um they, I mean they really ought to be handily they they really should be up there with Red Bull now, I think. Yeah, they should, for sure. I think this this should be the season that they're there or thereabouts, and they're still like, you know, they're a good half a second off, off Red yeah, Bull. Yeah, easily, uh, uh, easily, yeah, at best half a second off. Um, 
yeah, Ricardo's alternate strategy, he started he pitted early and um ended up on the medium tire. Um so yeah, the yeah, he he stretched out the medium tire for a really, really long time, but it strategically it was the the best way to go in the race. And he was managing the pace of I think it was Perez behind him for a long time and um just speeding up when he had to. And there was another car behind him who finished ahead. Oh no, yeah, it was Perez behind him down to eight. Um Good for Ricardo, very good for Ricardo to get, uh, you know, to beat a beat his teammate, and he was beating him through pretty much all the race. Yeah, and and to uh, to get his first points on the board with his new team, that's a good day for Ricardo. Oh yeah, of course it is first yeah. points. So yeah, like yeah. you say, he needed it. Yeah, he did need it. Um, any opinion on Ricardo, Tom, or Renault? It's still. I still wonder how much they're focusing on the next engine rather than what they're currently doing. Like, I, I, th- I feel like they've almost given up trying to catch the top three. It just doesn't feel like they're trying either that or they're just not capable of it. Um, and well, they haven't been capable so far, have they? Exactly. That's, so that's, it, I think that's fair to say. I think that part of them are maybe already eyeing what's coming next. Um, mm. But it's difficult to say, isn't it? Do we know what is coming next? Well, that that's part of the problem, isn't it? There's nothing concrete as to, as to what will be going on. There's nothing set in stone yet, is there? So That's the thing. When Mercedes did the same sort of thing, like they did a few seasons but were focusing on the big rule changes, they knew what those big rule changes True. were for... Yeah a number of years ahead. So when the turbo hybrid era came in, they were just on it straight away. Whereas as you say, right now, if Renault were trying that strategy for 2021, no one really knows what that engine is supposed to look like yet. So yeah. Was it, they're, they're trying to get it down for like middle of this year, aren't they? They want to, they want to know because it takes a they long time to. to develop an engine. Yeah. Yeah. They had so the, they, um, they had some of the concepts on the show, didn't they? At, oh, I can't remember what it was. There was, some kind of technical meeting that Ross Braun presented. I don't know if you remember the leaked pictures. Yeah, of it was a couple of weeks cars. ago. Well, oh, that that was thing at Singapore. Yeah, it was a while, a while back, ago that one. But um, so obviously it's it's still something that's in the works, isn't it? And I'm sure they'll be quite close to a solution. But I do, well, publicly we don't know of anything that's decided yet, do we? Yeah, well, they have until June. It's actually like written in the sporting regulations a minimum amount of time for like certain types of rule change so they only have until june for any changes to the 2021 rules um at least for the engine uh specification so they don't have a ton of time but as you say it sounds like they're creeping towards yeah. a decision yeah i don't I, I get the feeling that they're not going to change that much because there's no new engine supplier so I feel like no. the only things that are going to change is that maybe they'll it's going to be more like gearbox drivetrain side rather than engine Possibly. side and um, a potential budget cap. Yeah, but that's a which, whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, which wouldn't be great for Renault either because then they suddenly don't have any money to put into their engine research. Yeah, which no. means they're stuck where they are. It's almost like homologating the engines if they do that. Which I'm sure is why a lot of teams are sort of against it. But anyway, yeah. that's a whole different episode. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to follow up some storylines from last episode really quickly. Um, last episode, we asked 
does Vettel need to come back strong? Obviously, he does. Did he come back strong? Nope. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I do feel like he lost out a little bit in qualifying, and because of the uh, the way the final qualifying laps went. Yeah, the track of, just sort of went away from everyone, didn't it? At the end. Yeah, it did get like the, that last sort of sector on the on the final quality laps. They kind of just the track just changed temperature or something, and they no no one could put one in. Um, yeah, so I feel like he lost out a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, overall, he's just not. He just hasn't had the performance this weekend that he that he needed. But there's always next race. Um, can Norris and McLaren continue their strong form? Was another question we asked. Nope. Another no. no. <laughs> Another no. Um, yeah, we've discussed those guys. Um, will Haas, Force India and Renault show the pace we expected from them? Well, Haas did. Yeah. Yeah, Haas definitely did. Force India did a little. with uh, We said Force India again. Everybody keeps doing oh, it, yeah. but Racing Point. Oh, damn it. Racing Point Racing did Point. a little bit with yes. Perez, but not so much with Stroll. Who, by yeah. the way, kept pressing his radio button instead of some other button. Yes. <laughs> Which I found really funny. Yeah. Right, yeah. There's, there's some radio chatter of um, his engineer telling him that he's pressing the radio button instead of something else he should have been pressing. <laughs> it's instead of the oh, energy dear. button. That was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, Renault, I mean, Renault showed some decent... But they didn't really get to show the proper pace that they had in the car because they were on this inter- this uh, alternate strategy. But they still managed to finish best of the rest. So you they showed it in say, qualifying. Yeah, yeah. You could say that they've sort of got back on song, or they're getting on song. But like we've just discussed, they've got a long way to go still. Um, will Mercedes find an answer to Ferrari's mighty Bahrain pace? Yes, very they did. much so. Yeah, who'd uh, thought that they were going to be this far ahead? Like they, Hamilton's um, theoretical fastest lap was over half a second faster than the nearest Ferrari. Um, compare that to Bahrain, where the Ferraris were almost half a second faster than the, Merse- the nearest Mercedes. It's crazy. Yeah, it really it's, is. The swing is just bonkers, as we've already said. And um, we also said this is the first normal race weekend, so it should show the proper running order. <laughs> I don't think at this point I don't think there's going to be an established running order as we've already said again. Yeah. So yeah. Um let's pick some drivers of the day, shall we? Yeah. Yes. Um Albon was the official. Yeah. Driver Albon of the deserved day. the official one as well. I was actually not going to lie, slightly surprised when he got it because usually in these scenarios it ends up being whoever won. But I was surprised and happily surprised, obviously, to see that he got it because he definitely deserved it. Especially given that he didn't actually get that much TV time. Yeah, exactly. You didn't really, yeah. really see him doing what he was doing and yet he still got voted driver. Yeah, it, it means yeah. that people noticed he was fighting his way through the order even yeah. without a huge amount of TV time, which is good that people are spotting that and voting for him. I, I'd like that. That's the biggest take home for me from that is that you know, people spotted what he was up to, which is good. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. If I had to choose, I'd probably go album myself yeah. as well. Yeah, um, me too. To probably an argument for Ricardo. To... Yeah. Yeah, yeah there probably but... is a bit. And there even is for Hamilton. The way he drove it, like he drove it just absolutely flawlessly. He, won, yeah. he did win the race. So overall, going from the pit lane to go 10th place in a Toro Rosso. 
that's good going, man. That is proper, proper driving. And his yeah. team were ecstatic with it as well. So And a one-stop. He's got my vote. And a one-stop strategy, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we're we're agreed, Alban? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cool. Um, move of the day, anyone? Did anyone... I mean, what moves did we see occur? Because <laughs> I don't really recall that many other than the Verstappen one. On live footage, the main ones you saw were Kimmy's on the Haas and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is why I sort of had him in for driver of the day for a little bit until I sort of thought about the fact that Albon had come from the pit lane to where he was. It felt to me like a lot of the moves happened down the back straight. And it with such a long straight like that, they kind of feel like slam dunk moves, all those mm. kinds of moves. They don't really feel like a proper, you know, strong no. overtake. You know, something we have given these awards to before that I'd consider it for is... Vettel's defence against Verstappen because although it wasn't an overtake it was an extremely good defensive move and we have done that before and I'd be more than happy to give it to that because it was exactly the right amount of sort of elbows out without being too aggressive it was like spot on to defend against Verstappen it was pretty spectacular it was I I would also nominate um, Albon's move on Magnussen um, which I have just sent you guys a link to so you can watch it yeah um, i think this this is probably my favorite one just because it's from further back than most other people made moves into that turn five or six or whatever it was yeah so it's uh the, this video starts at the exit of turn two and oh it's similar to um uh, Ricardo's move. He licked the stamp and sent it. Yeah, it was very. It's, yeah, not not as not did. as dramatic, but similar. Very similar. Yeah. Mm. I wonder. That's if, my favorite. The feeling of this race not being that exciting is because there weren't really any big show stopping moves, were there? They they all looked quite sort of clean and tidy. Yeah. Yeah. No one, there wasn't much like actual battling, battling going on. It was always sort of. It felt to me like just the racing was all very. Very clean. I guess I'd watched Formula E earlier in the day, so maybe that's why I needed <laughs> that. Won't help. No, the day before. Yeah, yeah. I watched it Formula E the day before. It was absolute wild west of motor racing. Um, it's literally like Mad Max. Um, move of the day. Oh, that, was a, that was a good move. I think I'm more in agreement with Tom though on the defense. I can go, I can go with and that, I, and I quite like to change it up from time to time and give it for a defensive <laughs> move. So I can definitely go with that. The other thing I was going to throw into the mix, which you might not agree with, but it's it's kind of a move. It's Mercedes' strategy call on the double pit stop. I thought that might get mentioned. <laughs> so that, that that was impressive to see. I, I really liked that. And I've watched it a few times today, and every time I watch it, it seems to get better. So, but I can't. Re- I, you know, I, I think I'm probably more leaning, I'm still more leaning towards Verstappen Vettel. Uh, who are you giving it to, Tom? Are you giving it to Vettel or Verstappen? Vettel's defence, specifically. Yeah. Vettel's defence. I'd, I'd okay. agree with that. Okay, I'm with you then. I'm with you. Okay. And uh, our other thing that we do. Yeah, speaking of. <laughs> Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Just doesn't get old. <laughs> We've got a few on the list. Uh, Bottas's poor start was, um, and his excuses for the poor start as well. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't buy those. Um, Ferrari strategy is obviously a big one. Um, Kvyat taking out both the McLarens and <laughs> great one at the end here that I almost just spotted the wonky camera work. Oh, the camera the work was a busy. It was mainly camera the turn was... one thing that was annoying me during that race. 
turn one in particular, there must have been something wrong with that camera because it was just flapping about all over the place. But the camera work in general for the whole race was, it's the kind of stuff we got like maybe five years ago that they kind of mm-hmm. grew out of and improved, but it was pretty abysmal. But yeah, that turn one camera especially was awful. Yeah, there was a lot of pauses and a lot of long waits on empty shots, I noticed. That yeah. was, that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, there was... A, there was at the bottom of the straight as well there was a guy who was like filming back up to the final corner and he kept like whipping whipping past with a car and then zooming in really fast on the next car coming in and <laughs> it was just it was like he was on speed it was just weird the thing is if you actually i've actually watched what they do at t- turns like that at a circuit and that's all they do all race but what that felt like is that they were just cut into that camera when it wasn't ready, like just going too yeah. soon to yeah. that camera because that's his job effectively. I say he, I, I yeah. should assume, but that's that person's job effectively is to focus on a car coming out of the final turn, take it down to turn one and then whip it back and just pick up another one. And that's all they do all day. And if you cut to that too early, you get the, the travesty that we saw during the race. <laughs> yeah. it, it was, there were some wild, wild cameras. Um, but I don't feel like I can give <laughs> that the WTF moment myself. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, um, for me, it's got. It's, I mean, it's got to be the Ferrari strategy, hasn't it? Yeah, they've just they've done what they always do. So predictable. Yeah, same old Ferrari. Yep. Yeah, not gonna argue there. Cool. Well, that's that then. Um, hopefully, we haven't triggered too many Ferrari fans with that. Shall we do some predictions results? Let's do some prediction results. Would somebody like uh, to give me a shall look after them? I'll look after yeah. them. Yeah. Um, it's nice and quick for our predictions again. It's, it's rubbish. We all got zero. Um, we all put our faith in Ferrari for fair pole and winner. That works out well. Um, yeah, Tom's bold prediction of no DNFs didn't come true. Um we're all in the ballpark for uh, Grosjean's finishing position. He finished 11th and we had 12th, 13th and 14th. And he was he was around those positions for quite a while, yeah. but he crept up at the end. As for the, you lovely listeners who are much better at this than us, the best score this week was four out of five uh, from Julian Prestis. Well done to you. Um, we also had a few people on three. Um, most people scored actually this week, Except unlike us. Yeah. And yeah. we we were um, stupid. <laughs> yeah, we were terrible. As as we always say, do the opposite of what we do and you'll be all right. Yeah. I will still um, not stop kicking myself for the fact that I spent half of last week's episode saying China's a Mercedes track. They'll close the gap here and then going Leclerc's <laughs> going to win the race like 10 minutes later. <laughs> stupid boy. <laughs> Uh, in the overall standings, uh, Neil Hyde is at the top with 8 points followed by Narayan Hamari on 7 and then we've got four people on six points behind them so it's all quite close at the top as for us <coughs> Stu, you are down in 69th nice nice uh, on two points uh tom me and you are equal 118th <laughs> on one point each <laughs> the really sad part is looking at this there's a good number of people above me and you that have only actually entered one race Don't say things like that <laughs> it's fine it's early days it's a long season or something <laughs> No more heart predicting, <laughs> head predicting from now on. Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, lots of entering again. Nice to see lots of the same names that have been in the first few races. So uh, keep on entering. Um, yeah, we've had a five and a four the last two weeks. So it just shows that uh, it's possible. prizes can be won. It is very possible. 
yeah. unless you call Chris Thomas due. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, we're not going to give ourselves a prize, are we? Or That's are true. We? I mean, Actually, if is... I ever get a five out of five, I want a prize from you. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want a prize as well. I don't know what the quality of the prize will be if I receive it from if I receive it from you two. And Chris, I don't know what the quality of the prize would be if I gave you a prize for this. Let's let's it cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, shall we do some inbox? Let's do some inbox. Yeah. Uh, first one this week comes from Drew Wright saying uh, the race as a whole was not that interesting. There were glimpses of good racing when Max and Vettel came together after the pit stops, for example. The team orders at Ferrari are a joke and they mess it up every time. I'm fairly new to F1 and only been watching for the last three to four years, but I haven't seen team orders from Ferrari yet play in their favour. Leclerc is quick and Vettel can't handle it, so let Leclerc and Vettel race it out until there is a definitive number one. Don't make a number one. Very well, I like that. Drew. Like yeah, that a lot, yeah. yeah. I think that's a very good assessment of the Ferrari situation and what should be happening to her personally. But yeah, I also like that saying he's only been watching for three or four years and hasn't seen Ferrari team orders playing to their favour. You could have watched for another several <laughs> years further back than that, I wouldn't have seen it. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. <laughs> Ever since a certain Mister Schumacher uh, left that team, in fact, that was about the only time their orders, team orders, regularly worked in their favour. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree with that. Like, much like Mercedes have done for a number of years, letter number one develop across the season. Don't just force the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat perversely, the team orders have actually worked against Ferrari so far. Mm. They've they've issued them every race so far this season. And um, if they'd let Leclerc through, he prob they probably would have had more points at this point yeah. than they already have. As a yeah, team. definitely. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in absolute agreement. Let them race. Let them race until there is a number one. But then, you know, we don't see the contracts that these drivers sign. So like that. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure true. Vettel's got a very, very watertight contract saying, I am number one. Actually, uh, Nave said that. I'm going to take the inbox slightly out of order and jump to Tom Austin Morgan's message, um, which is quite a long one. So I've edited it back a bit. Um he said, incoming rant and speculation, you have been warned. Uh, looks like unless Ferrari can make a decent strategy call, Mercedes will walk it again this year. Vettel is 31 points behind Hamilton now after three races, and Leclerc is one point behind Vettel. Despite being told to stay behind in every race, this shows that Leclerc is the guy Ferrari should be backing or allow the two of them to sort it out on track for the first half of the season and implement team orders in the second half. Um, but he goes on to sort of do a bit of maths and basically say that if not for Ferrari team orders, Leclerc would potentially be within a win of Hamilton in the point standings now, as opposed to the significantly behind he currently is, which kind of goes on what uh, you just said, Stu. Like, yeah. it, they're costing themselves points and they're putting themselves further back in the championship. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. It's a, Stupid. Again, good assessment of it though as well. Like It's, it's yeah. spot on as to <laughs> what's going wrong there, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Mark Brooks says, um, this weekend proved how much better Formula E is than <laughs> Formula 1 this year. In FE, there have been seven winners from seven different teams in seven races. That's right, Mark. Yep. Um, and the top nine drivers are separated by 13 points. Also correct. I noticed that myself. Um, yeah. Formula E has more excitement in one race than F1 does in a season. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, Bahrain was pretty good. Bahrain was pretty yeah. awesome. So yeah, yeah let's I, not let's not forget 
the great that great race just because we've had one dud. Like we had a few duds last year, and it turned into a really good season. Yeah. So. I think one of the significant differences with Formula E is how much of the series is still spec, and because obviously there's only certain parts that the teams work on as their own development, whereas in F1 you're obviously developing everything, aren't you, more or less? Yeah. So there is a, a difference there that generates the closer racing, but it is definitely an exciting series at the minute. Um, to add to the different winners thing, there's all it's also seven different pole sitters as well. So it's not been the same pole yes. sitter more than once. Um, and mm. it's, even, it's even narrower a gap at the top because the top four drivers are four points away from each other, which is mad. Yeah, it really is. I can't believe that Sam Bird's still in contention. Yeah, he's had a shocking season, yeah. and yeah, he's still there. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he really has. I, I hope he can. T- I hope he can turn it around. Um, yeah, it's interesting actually because F one in twenty twelve that we always talk about that was seven winners in the first seven races. So potentially next race Formula E can go one better. Yeah. Mm. True saying. Um, Tom, do you want to do that? Yeah, uh, Brooke Archer says, considering Ferrari have decided to do team orders since the first race of the year, is 2019 already a year for Mercedes? Bottas seems to be determined not to be a number two driver, so are we going to see more stellar drives from him this year? Chris, do you want to take the lead on that? Yeah, I mean... On, on the already being the year of Mercedes, I think we've already said a couple of times, like, Mercedes have traditionally been good at developing through a season and you know the last couple of years Ferrari have started off best and Mercedes have kind of overtaken them as the season's gone on and Ferrari really needed to be banking points early doors this year so the fact that they've not been doing that does point to Mercedes just kind of running away from things which is crazy to think about but right now that's kind of how it looks like it's going mm-hmm. yeah um, I agree with that. Um, Ferrari need to get their act together really quick. Yeah. We said this. We said this in the preview episode, but like here we are still in the review saying the same thing. Yeah, sort it out, Ferrari. Give us what we want. Give us a proper fight for the championship. We've said that for yeah. three years of podcasting now. <laughs> just, <laughs> point, just putting true. that out there. Um, it's going to happen eventually. The, the thing that on the Bottas point she made as well. The thing for me there is mm. it comes back to the little tidbit I had with it was to Lewis Rosberg to Lewis could it be Bottas I I kind of think that if Ferrari hmm. don't get their act together we could see another sort of backwards and forward season between between the two Merck drivers kind of like what we saw yeah. that year um between Rosberg and Lewis yeah we totally could he he definitely seems much much closer to Hamilton this season yeah. I mean he's out qualified him two of the three races hasn't yeah. he I believe. Um, obviously, he's he's won one as well. Um, it, you just get the impression that Bottas is just not there to give him an inch this season. I really think he's going to push him until he's told not to. Basically, yeah. um, um, as good as what you want to see. I definitely. I do agree with that, but I will say, although Bottas qualified ahead of Hamilton, as I mentioned earlier, Hamilton's theoretical fastest lap was the quickest. By a margin, like by, by like three temps quicker than Bottas yeah. as well. Theories don't win points, Stu. <laughs> yeah, that's tr- that, <laughs> that is, is true, true. That is true. But you know, if you if you want to, if you're trying to figure out who is the faster car, who's the faster driver, you have to say, it, it, without sounding like a fanboy, you have to say it is still Hamilton. He's what still I, quicker. Oh, absolutely. What I did find interesting about that that 
this kind of relates to a little bit is the fact that there were a couple of post-race interviews with Lewis where he was basically saying the reason he wasn't really anywhere until quali was the fact that the car and the way it's built over the last couple of years haven't allowed him to drive his usual driving style and get the most out of it. So whereas he used to really love coming to China because it suited the way he wanted to drive, the car in the last couple of seasons, this year and last, hasn't allowed him to do that. And it wasn't until in quality he was really finding the groove of what he felt he needed to adjust to get the most out of it, which I think is shown in the arc through the sessions into quality and then the race. You, you can kind of see that. And it's it's interesting to get that insight from him, I guess, to, that he knows that sometimes he's going to have to compromise rather than just forcing the issue and not getting the best out of it. And that's like championship mentality to me. That's what makes someone like Lewis one yeah. of the top drivers on the grid, if not the top driver on the grid, is, is having that mindset to say... I can't drive my usual style. I need to adjust if I'm going to get the best out of this car here at this circuit. Absolutely. I mean, that's why he's won a race in every season he's con- like contested. Like he's not been in the best car on the grid for probably pushing half the seasons mm-hmm. he's been in. He's been in some dogs of cars over the years, but he's always pulled out a result and somehow managed to win every car yeah. he's ever driven, which is very impressive. Emmett Nugent says, well, that was boring. Worse than Canada last year. <laughs> Not sure about that. But um, once again, we robbed of seeing what the McLarens can do. Ferrari pointlessly sacrificed a driver for Vettel to do nothing with it. And probably most cliche, Mercedes going about how afraid of the Ferrari pace they are to then go and dominate the whole weekend. <laughs> the outlap was more interesting <laughs> than the race. Can't help but feel Maldonado would have spiced things <laughs> up a bit. Um, a, a fair review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't think I've got much more to add to that, have you? No, I... not really. I mean, Kvyat kind of tried his best to fill the Maldonado <laughs> yeah. role, but it, it, it had the it did have the makings of a good race. It, there were patches of good racing. It did. But it just never quite. It, yeah, it, just, out, the, it? it lacked poise, didn't it? It lacked poise. That was the problem with it. It never really looked like the yeah. lead was going to be challenged. You know, the positions all looked set quite from quite early on. Um, so yeah, it was unfortunate. Alex Thompson says, "Has Red Bull's car been as good as they say over the last two years, or has it just had two excellent drivers in Verstappen and Ricardo driving it? Is Gasly now showing the RB to be a poor chassis, a bit like Alonso versus Van Dorn at McLaren, or is this year's Red Bull just not a newer classic?" I think a little from Column A and a little from Column B, maybe. Yeah. Um. Newey's admitted that it's not a classic. Verstappen is obviously a very, very talented driver, and I f- and Gasly's really, really good as well. It's I think it's too early to judge with Gasly. He needs a, sadly, he might not get the amount of time he needs to get in, get his head into that car. But I yeah. think if he can, then he'll be right up there with with Verstappen. He, he's not, much, he wouldn't be much slower than him. I wouldn't have thought. What about you guys? Hey. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe in the back of his mind, he knows that he's in a team that doesn't give drivers the time to get up to speed, which is putting that bit more pressure mm. on him. Um, but he's he's a quick racing driver. He's proved that in other series. He's a fast guy. Um, and I do think he just needs time. Yeah, it, it comes back to what I was saying a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, that it's something similar that how much of it is just that Verstappen and Ricardo were at the 
top level compared to where Gasly's working his way to and, and stuff like that. But I don't think the new aero regs suit him being a new classic, do they? They don't let him have the, the no. freedom that he thrives in. So don't get me wrong, he's one of the best, if not the best, aerodynamicist in the sport, but it doesn't bode itself well to <laughs> to him and his way of working, does it, with the way that they restrict the aero down at the moment? No, not at all. So the Alex Young dissertation <laughs> sensation, <laughs> which is a man <laughs> of many names. He's <laughs> someone of many names, isn't it? <laughs> this is the latest in a <laughs> series of names. Uh, people giving Ferrari the benefit of the doubt lasted less time than Marco Apicella's entire career, uh, with the, and with good reason. <laughs> I realise people want Leclerc to win, but my desire to see Ferrari fail week after week continues to be completely justified. <laughs> Not a fan, then. Kimi is either outdriving the Sauber or Giovinazzi is underperforming. Either way, Kimi is beating the rookie like last year, and I can't help but wonder, <laughs> is, is he getting his lunch eaten by a veteran going to erode his confidence like Alonso beating Van Dorn did on a weekly basis? <laughs> I love that two people have used Alonso and Van Dorn as like yeah, a, a points of reference. Yeah. A reference <laughs> point. Um, I... F- Definitely feel like Giovinazzi's sort of got an eye over his shoulder now um, mm. as a result of uh, Kimi. I mean, he's, 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 Kimi's like 40 years old, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, it, again, it's a, think it's a co- bit of column A, bit of column B. I think Kimi is out driving that car and I think Giovinazzi is probably under driving that car. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, Giovinazzi has proved himself to be a quick driver, so maybe he needs a bit more time as well. But so I think it's, it's, it is really easy when when people are when we've got rookies like the way we have this year. There are a lot of rookies in the series this year, and some are obviously performing much better than others. Norris is performing amazingly. Um, Russell's handily outperformed his teammate at every race so far this season for reasons yeah. not necessarily all to do with um, the quality of the driver. It could be car-related, as we spoke about last week. Um, yeah. Yeah, Giovinazzi, I, I, I guess the question is, if you put... The real question is, if you were to rank the the uh, the, the rookies at this point in the season, where would you put them? I think, for me, Giovinazzi <sighs> would unfortunately be the lowest of a lot of them if we were considering him to be one. I know he's obviously had his little bit of time yeah. in the sport before but if we're considering him as one I think he would be I'd, the lowest one at the moment yeah I, I'd put Giovinazzi in the rookie bracket myself I know he's technically probably not a rookie but when you consider he's not really he's not done a full season yeah, exactly this is his first full season so I feel like you can put him in a he should be if that's the case if he has done time before then he should be doing better than the actual rookies and he is yeah. yeah so yeah um I do think, though, these days the, the grid is so competitive and there's so many young drivers sort of coming through lower series with a lot more attention on them. You really need to perform straight away as a rookie to keep your seat a lot of the time. Like, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s, you'd see these same names would kind of tootle around at the back in the sort of mid-pack for years on end. Mm. Uh, without really achieving a ton and now it feels like if you're a new driver if you don't perform you get like a season maybe two and you're out in favor of the new 
19-year-old. Yeah. Well, not... even if you do perform, look at look at Esteban Ocon. He, what, did he have two, yeah. two yeah. seasons he had? Was it two or was it just one? It was two. I think it was like two and a half because he, he did parachute started in? off. He, well, I think he got parachuted in for him brightly, yeah. Yeah, it was two and a half because he came in to the manor. Before oh, the that was the yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. He, took he, had, he had two Mary's full drive, seasons at Force India. Well, t- technically a season and a half at Force India because it changed to Racing Point yeah. halfway yeah. through his second one. But yeah, he um, he replaced Mary, I think it was. You're right in saying it, Manor. Hmm. God, so many points finishes on his record as well. That first yeah. season in 2017, he had... Mr. Rock on Sisters, low- remember? Yeah, 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 it was, yeah, yeah. Only uh, two races where he didn't finish in the points in 2017. And one of them was a retirement in Brazil. The other one was Monaco. I forgot what the question was, but I enjoyed the Glass Joe reference. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Moving on. Next one, next question. Tom Murray says, Hi guys, long time listener to the podcast and want to say thank you for entertaining me while I'm trucking around the UK. (laughs) You're very welcome. She's exciting. Uh, If you listen to this in the truck right now, can you give us a quick blast on the old horn? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not a train I know what am I doing <laughs> oh that's embarrassing <laughs> um, anyway Tom says uh, I'm just wondering am I the only one getting confused by the choice of colours for tyre compounds this year I'm used to yellow being soft and white being medium but it all seems to have shifted a step which yes it kind oh, of has this is, confu- this is confusing kind of you, you, you're right to be confused because um, obviously we've gone from seven different colours to only yeah. three now yes We've gone from a Pirelli pi- thing- rainbow to a, a Pirelli... Uh, Not so rainbow. Tricolore, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the thing I always bear in mind is that whatever they used to mean before, I always know that the white one was the harder of those three colours and the red one was the softer of those three yeah. colours, whatever they actually happened to designate. Um, honestly, I've already stopped thinking about like ultra soft, super softs and all that kind of business. Like... Actually, now we're just using three names, regardless of what actual compound it is. You realise that it doesn't really matter a whole lot. I much. seem to remember somebody coming up with that idea last season at some point. I can't quite I can't, a while I ago. Yeah, say yeah, who yeah. it was, but no, me neither. Yeah, it's great, obviously a great idea because Funny they that. adopted it. Um, they must have been very smart and handsome people who came up with that. Very, very smart and such talents. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, so in answer to the question, the softest tyre is the yellow one the hardest tyre nope no it's not what oh no sorry the so- <laughs> see it is confusing the softest tyre the, is the, problem. the softest tyre is the red one obviously I'm just uh, getting my colours I've got colour dyslexia let's let's say that <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to stop digging this hole in answer to your question yes we are getting confused by them yeah um, the softest one is the red one the medium one is the yellow one and the hardest one is the white one Ali Walker says, do you think Ferrari would have swapped the cars if Vettel was in third and they thought Leclerc was faster in fourth? Also, if they did, do you think Vettel would give up the position? Um, I think, yeah, Vettel would give up the position because the Ferrari drivers tend to do what they're told these days. Yeah. Um, do, do I think they'd make the call? No. I don't. Know I don't they think would. they'd make the call if it was as close as it was between them. If it was like blatantly obvious, you know, like he'd closed him in at a rate of knots, 
Um, a little bit like what he did in Australia. I know they told him to sit back in Australia, but it was near the end of the race. And I think that was more was, in the interest of fairness uh, as well, wasn't it? Because yeah, like he'd reined him in, but there wasn't anything to go chase by the time he got up on the rear end of Vettel's car. So I think had that a situation like that arise earlier in the race, they would make the change. But I think it would take something more dramatic like that for them to do it the other way. Like he would have to really have closed him in for them to say, mm-hmm. Seb, let him through. Not the almost tit for tat lap times they were doing this weekend. This definitely felt to me like Vettel's had a rough couple of races. Let's do what we can to keep him happy this one because mm. we don't want him to just like fall into a downward spiral. Mm. I think that's. Uh... Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, actually. Um, yeah. Yep. And on that downward spiral, um, that's all, that's all <laughs> we have time for today. I'm going to spiral out of this this podcast. Um, if you have a message, you can contact us on all of our social channels. On Twitter, we're at Back of the Grid F1. Um, on Facebook, you can search Back of the Grid, and on Instagram, we are at Back of the Grid. Um, or you can visit the website backofthegrid.com, and you can submit a contact form on there um and you can also make your predictions join us next week when we'll look ahead to the azerbaijan grand prix in uh, baku um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of back of the grid don't forget to hit the subscribe button thanks so much for listening that's the end of the show goodbye bye bye to practice that outro (laughs) (laughs) it sort of sounded like you're being dragged away from the mic and having to like lean towards it just like oh thanks for listening bye bye bye